evening, everyone. It's great to see you. And uh, Jesus' command is that we would love each other. I heard a story about an Argentinian pastor, a guy called Juan Carlos Ortiz. Forgive me for the accent. Um, hopefully, that any Argentinians around? No. That, oh, yes. Uh, I don't know. I'll ask you afterwards how I should say it. Um, but he was uh, a pastor in Buenos Aires, and uh, he's a- actually written an amazing book called Disciple, which I'd really encourage anybody, particularly who's new to faith, uh, to start reading just a little book. And uh, one day, he was set to preach to his congregation, but he realized or thought or felt that actually his church, his congregation, were way more educated than the experience of the love of God. And he thought this wasn't right. So what he decided to do was to preach on this very passage. And he got up on the Sunday morning and he stood there and he just said, love each other. And then he went and sat down again. And his church, who were used to a much, much longer sermon, uh, were all looking a little bit quizzically at each other. And so he got up again and he stood on the stage and he said, love each other. And then he went and sat down again. And they were even more nervous this time because they thought, is he going to preach? What's going to happen here? So he got up a third time and he said to them, love each other. And then he went and sat down again. At that moment, a man in the front row And you can tell it was not an Anglican church because the front rows were full uh, in uh, Argentina. But uh, he said to his friend, I think he wants us to love each other. And so this man said to his friend who he was sitting next to, he said, "Is, is there any way that I can help you? And he said, well, actually, I'm going through some financial difficulty. And maybe you could help me. So the man got his wallet out and he offered him some money to help. And after a few moments, more and more conversation began in the church. And there were people praying with one another and talking with one another and giving to one another. They were loving each other. Now, I don't know what you think about that today. Maybe that's what we should do. You might be here thinking, brilliant, he's only going to give a three-word sermon this afternoon. Maybe that would be the best thing ever for your Sunday afternoon. Maybe you're here and you might think, oh, three words might feel a little bit short-changed. But I did hear it said once that actually it would be better to know one verse of the Bible and put it into practice than to simply know all of the Bible and not put any of it into practice. Jesus' command that we've just heard read is love each other. And it sounds so simple, so easy, just three small words. But maybe the most simple thing we've ever learned about God is somehow the most complex. God is love. Love each other. I sometimes find myself thinking, how is that even possible? Do you ever find that when Jesus says something in the Gospels, you think, well, how? how? How is that possible? I find it hard enough to love those that I'm closest to, let alone to love my enemies. Of course, I'm, I'm very easy to love. Uh, I know that I'm not the problem. It's everybody else who's the problem. But of course, that's not true. Because if it was easy to love each other, on a day like today, we wouldn't be wearing these poppies, perhaps. We wouldn't be thinking back over decades of war and suffering and conflict. And of course, today is a day that we're marking 
commemorating really those who gave their lives for our peace and our freedom across the world, in the Commonwealth, many countries, taking time to reflect, to remember. You would have seen on the news you know, today, millions of people gathering around war memorials, cenotaphs, cathedrals, churches, schools. For some reason, scout groups seem to do it an awful lot, but in the stadiums, Football matches, the rugby, if you were watching that yesterday, England, Australia, I was watching, and they played the last post before the game began. We're remembering that actually life is full of conflict, and these poppies, they're a, they're a reminder of those two world wars, particularly. They're red, as Dave's base was red. It was very, it was good. I like what you did there. Do you only have one base, or was that... Uh, special, special for Remembrance Sunday. But they're red to remember the blood that was shed. And of course, they're red to symbolize those flowers that grew up in Flanders Field, where so many people died. Over 16 million people in the First World War. And it was meant to be the war of all wars. But of course, that was followed soon after by the Second World War. And again, millions of people lost their lives. Countless people were injured, impacted by loss. And today we really just come together in a small way to give thanks, to come with gratitude for those who've given their lives. And tragically, there's only been one year since 1945 when a British troop hasn't died in conflict in some way around the world. That year was 1969. And since then, the British Army, they've been deployed in countless countries. Northern Ireland, the Falklands, Croatia, Macedonia, the Balkans, Albania, Kosovo, Sierra Leone, Cyprus, East Timor, Afghanistan, Iraq. The point that I'm trying to make is that we seem to be at war so much of the time. Life is full of conflict, not just in a military sense, but in our lives too. Maybe as we think about recent events, politically, so much division and disunity between political parties, between nations, between races, between the sexes that we've seen over the last months. Think about climate change. Uh, since the Industrial Revolution, it's like we've declared war on creation. Think of COVID, the invisible killer. Our world has been at war with something which has robbed us of our peace, robbed us of our freedom. We've not been able to hug the people that we love. We've not been able to go to the places that we've wanted to go to. For so many, there's been a huge impact on mental health. People have been robbed of their peace. Actually, the war that wages within them is internal. It's a war of the mind. It's a war of identity, self-doubt, negative thinking. And identity, not just in the sense of gender identity, but everybody's reassessing everything, it seems now. Who am I? Who am I now that the kids have grown up? Who am I now I'm unemployed? Who am I now I've been on furlough? Who am I now I'm married? You know, whatever's taking place, everybody is rethinking. And of course, there's conflict most days in our relationships. Maybe for you here today, 
Maybe school feels like a bit of a war zone. Or work feels like a battleground. Maybe the kitchen table over dinner sometimes at night can feel a bit of a challenge for us in our families. When I think about the World War I, World War II, there's one event that particularly sticks in my mind, and that's the Christmas truce. And that was the unofficial impromptu ceasefire that occurred along the Western Front, 1914, December the 24th, 25th, that Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. And on a crisp, clear morning, just over 100 years ago now, thousands of British, Belgian, and French soldiers, they put down their rifles, they stepped out of the trenches, and they spent Christmas mingling with the enemy. And they took time to share gifts, buttons, cigarettes, spare food that they had. And it's been documented that German soldiers would come out of the trenches with signs saying, you no shoot, we no shoot. I mean, can you imagine that moment coming across no man's land to one another? And contrary to popular legend, unfortunately, there weren't any major mass football matches uh, although every time we play Germany, I think we seem to think about those penalty shootouts and things like that that we'd love to win. But still over a century later, that truce is marked as a miracle, a rare moment of reconciliation and peace in our world. In spite of all the fear, in spite of all the battling, all the conflict, all the war that was raging round, all the division that was in that place. And I think that's like a picture of our world. So often there can be so much conflict taking place around us. And yet there's something deep, deep, deep in the heart of humanity that longs for peace. Not just a truce, but true peace. Peace that lasts. And of course, that's what Jesus came to give us. He came to bring peace and reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God through Jesus' death on the cross, through his resurrection, but also we've been reconciled to one another. Take a look around at one another. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We've been reconciled, brought into relationship with one another. And over 2,000 years ago, Jesus didn't come to bring hostility or conflict he didn't come as a military leader, but he came as a humble servant riding into Jerusalem, as it were, riding towards his death on a cross, on a, don on a donkey. And what was he desiring to do in that moment? Ultimately, he wanted to show us the Father's love, to demonstrate God's love for each one of us. And it's only when we encounter the love of God, his, his ultimate love for each one of us that we can show love to others. It's only then that we can truly love each other. Jesus says here in verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. First and foremost, this is an invitation to receive the love of God. And if you're here today, and you've never received God's love before. 
You may be a young person. You might be an old person. But if you've never received his love, may I encourage you to do that today. If you take nothing else away from this afternoon, just to take a moment to pray and ask God, fill me with your love. I want to receive your love today. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. We don't have to work for it. That's the pattern. The Father has loved the Son, and the Son loves us. And that's what he demonstrated in coming to this earth. But once we've received his love, it doesn't just stop there. We have to remain in his love. Verse 10 says, now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. That's what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, we can be friends with God. Other place in Scripture, it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. As Christians, we're never lonely. We always have the Holy Spirit. Emily and I were watching Actually, it's becoming one of our favorite shows. But uh, the Ambulance, is that what it's called, Emily, the, the title? And uh, there was one episode where uh, there was a person who phoned up the ambulance service. And they were just desperate. And the person who'd received the call in the ambulance call center was trying to work out what the actual issue was with this person. And they were checking, you know, the breathing and everything was fine. And then what it turned out to be was that actually just this person was desperately, desperately lonely. That was the emergency. The emergency in one sense wasn't the presenting problem, but it was the loneliness that they'd experienced. But you see, we are friends with God. That's what's been made available to each one of us. And we're called to remain, to cultivate that friendship with God through spending time with him, through listening to him, through praying to him, spending time in his word. I wonder what that looks like for you at the moment. Maybe what that's been like through COVID. I know for me, it can be a real challenge to keep those patterns of remaining in him, cultivating that friendship with him. I like to have sort of some rhythms that I try and put in place. I like to sort of try and run in the morning and listen to the Bible in one year, which is about 25 minutes. So I've normally done about one kilometer in that time. But that's what I like to do. Just And whatever it is for you, whatever that looks like, whatever pattern that you need to put in place to remain in his love. Maybe it's about getting together with other people, getting support in that area. I recently heard about the 15-second kiss Experiment. I don't, has anybody ever heard of this? The 15-second kiss experiment. And uh, it originated with a guy who met somebody in his church, and it turned out that he'd been married for 30 years. And they hadn't necessarily had an easy marriage. Uh, they'd had some ups and downs, but they'd stayed together through thick and thin. And this man said to him, what is the secret of your long-lasting marriage? And the man responded and said, every day, my wife and I kiss on the lips for 15 seconds. And he said, why 15 seconds? What's so important about 15 seconds? And this older man said, 15 seconds is long enough that you can't fake it and it forces you to connect. 
You can't fake it, and it forces you to connect. For those of you that are married or dating, I suggest you try it. It could be fun. You never know. Things you learn in church, you can't fake it, and it forces us to connect. And I think that's a great image for our relationship with Jesus, to remain in him, to cultivate this friendship with him. Whatever it is that you do, find something that means you can't fake it and that forces you to connect with Jesus. Just whilst we're on it, there is a biblical precedent for this. Psalm 2 says, kiss the sun. Uh, and also it's very productive. It's very beneficial kissing, if you've not known. It uh, reduces cholesterol, reduces anxiety, statistically proven, reduces anxiety, uh, it builds self-esteem, it boosts your immune system, and it also develops your facial muscles. So there you go, another piece of advice from church. Uh, but there's also great benefits from being close to Jesus. Having a friendship, a relationship with Jesus, remaining in him. You'll be purposeful. Jesus gives you a purpose. It says in verse 16, I chose you and appointed you. He chooses us and he gives us a purpose in life, something to live for. You'll be productive and fruitful. He says we've been chosen and appointed to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. He says that our prayers will be answered. He says then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And you'll know joy. Verse 17 says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So we're to receive his love. We're to remain in his love. And thirdly, we're to relay his love. As we receive his love, it's only then that truly we can show love to others. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. And as he speaks that to these disciples, as he knows he's just a short period of time away from the cross, he also knows that that's the calling that is on the disciples' lives. They too will be following his pattern of laying down their lives so that others might encounter the love of the Father. And we're given this amazing opportunity, this great privilege to carry God's love to others. I know that so many of you are doing that in so many different ways, but maybe it's helping with the homeless. Maybe it's praying for the persecuted church. Maybe it's working with those who are unemployed, those on the margins, the elderly, the lonely. We've been given this love to give away to others. And we're really excited. We've got an opportunity this Christmas through the Love Your Neighbor campaign uh, to really show the love of God to those in our city. And uh, the vision really of Love Your Neighbor is that there will be one million bags of kindness that will be given away by churches all over this country. And what we're planning to do here is to give away 2,000 bags of kindness through our different channels of activity, through the food bank, through Spear, through our cheer lunch, uh, in the prison, whoever, whatever, we haven't quite worked it out yet. But it might be that everybody takes away two bags and just gives away two bags of kindness to their street. But 
as we've received the love of God, as we've chosen to remain in his love, we want to then relay that love to those that we come into contact with. And this is just a very, very practical way of showing others the love of Jesus. It was Mother Teresa who said, Not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Today is about remembering, remembering those who've laid down their lives for us so that we might know peace and freedom. In just a moment as we come to communion, we have a chance again to remember Jesus' ultimate sacrifice for each one of us, that we can receive his love, remain in his love, and relay his love to others. This is my command. This is Jesus' command that we love each other. Amen.